Welcome to the Thinklings Podcast, a conversation where good thoughts help renew the mind with the Word of God. I'm Charlie Carter, and I'm here with Tim Little and Andy Stearns. Let's jump into the conversation. Welcome to the Thinklings Podcast, Summer in Left Field. How are you guys doing today? I am well. Uh, yeah, I'm good. I think we should talk about Japan. Oh, Japan? yeah. And, and how far and wide the Thinklings podcast has been traveling these days. Um, so, yeah, Tim was mentioning earlier that Andrew Gonnerman, who is a missionary from my church. Mm-hmm. Uh, You're the sending we, church. I think. Yes, we are. And uh, they're they're back. He just uh, we we've seen a lot of the Gonnermans as they're they're back on furlough for a little bit here, and uh, there is another there's another person that listens in Japan, right. and so at the end of the school year, I sent out like a communication to all of the online students, and this particular student who's an online student in Japan emailed me back and just said, oh, and by the way. Uh, I really enjoy listening to the podcast. We kind of started emailing about that. And he threw in there like, you should name me on the podcast. But then he's like, but I know the last time someone asked you <laughs> to say their name on the podcast, it didn't go well. If you're not remembering that, some of the my cohorts in the, the, the drama this past semester really wanted me to name them. And uh, I jokingly have gotten really close to naming them, but never did. So this student knew that, well, I could ask him to name me, but it probably won't go well. So Cameron Smith, that's probably why I'm not going to name you on the podcast, because I didn't name those other people. Yeah, did well, you, why would I name you, Cameron Smith, on the podcast? That's right. We don't never wanna, name we them. We caught it the first time. We don't want to say Cameron. Hey, so then, do you want to go back and name your drama crew? Yeah, I would love to do that. So anyway, so Cameron also sent me an email with a very creative like poetry bit. So he's a very creative fellow. So and uh, he was, it was fun. He was online in my Western Civ class, regularly getting like comments and emails from him. So he was a pretty engaged student, but, but we just haven't named his name. So yeah. Yeah. We, we, yeah, we don't like naming people. No. Yeah. All right. So what's next? And so on that note, I would say that we do have some thinklings business to tend to books and business. Let's talk about a book. Hey, I've got a book today and hmm. this is, more left field uh, worthy than um, actually I can't remember what I did the last time. The last one was the worldviews, I think. And so that was like, we talk about stuff like that all the time. Zombies. World War Z was left field. This Preppers. is going to be left field as well. Uh, this title is, let me get to the title page. Sleep Smarter 21 Essential Strategies to Sleep Your Way to a better body, better health, and bigger success by Sean Stevenson. And so you're doing that because you're sleeping, not because you're bored, right? Oh, sorry, I was just sleeping smarter there. What? Yeah. What? What? Amen. So, where I stumbled onto this guy was uh, he did a talk for Google. Google will like have like experts in different fields come in, and uh, they record these. Like, so the the speaker speaks to the employees at Google. It's like a long form, like hour and a half or so type of a, a video. And uh, they upload those to YouTube. So you can see these like Google speakers. And so I think it's interesting. Like obviously they're not just gonna like jo- any Joe Schmo come and talk to their employees. And you can think of the motive of why Google would want their employees to be sleeping well. It's like you get more production out of them, right? 
but so that's kind of how I stumbled onto him in a YouTube video. But then there's a, a health and fitness podcast I listen to, uh, Mind Pump, and uh, they had him on as a guest as well. And uh, it's one of the neglected areas of our life is the quantity and quality of our sleep. And it's almost even a joke here at Faith, uh, specifically with students like, oh, make sure you get your eight hours a night. And most students are probably averaging maybe maybe four or five good hours of sleep like in good is like italicized like you know what do you define as good is it really that low i don't think it's that low i know a lot of students who don't go to bed until like one or two in the morning and we yeah. have seven a.m.s and even even if they get six hours i'm talking like good sleep like okay not distracted don't wake up during the middle of the night like we'll, we'll get into that like what is good sleep but so th this is just for me personally, probably like a year, year and a half ago, I, I might've even mentioned this before that I was reading it, but, um, th there's a handful of books. Uh, there's an, I'll call this like the sleep, uh, group of books. There's a, there's another one that I'm reading called why we sleep. And it's like about the, what your body tries to do while you're sleeping. Like, why do you need it? It's recovery. Um, your human growth hormone levels are the highest that you'll ever have them while you sleep. And so it's very important for longevity, aging, recovery, if you work out to get quality sleep. You mean human growth hormone, like healing? Yes. Okay. So mm -hmm. it, it also is elevated when you fast, but mm -hmm. sleeping is like the main one. And so, um, so just a couple of takeaways from the book. It's, it's 21 essentials and you, the chapter titles give them all away. But just a couple of really important ones that I think are, let me back up maybe. Why would this be important is if you're going to dedicate to a life of study, like obviously you can't just like not sleep. You can't, you, you need to be rested. If you think about when you wake up in the morning, do you feel ready to go and read and think and be productive? Or do you wake up in the morning and you think, man, I don't want to do anything right now. And, uh, sometimes people are like, well, that's just about getting older, you know, like, well, you're just, you're aging and, you know, you just don't feel the way you used to feel. Well, probably you don't feel the way you used to feel because you don't get good sleep and, uh, your diet plays into it as well. But so I think a lot of these things are going to help you actually get more out of the goals you have, like reading and thinking, especially students. And so some of these are like really basic ones. We've, we've talked about them on the podcast before, but, uh, getting sunlight every day, like getting up early and getting in sunlight, your body reacts to that. Uh, not having screens right before bedtime, like the blue light from screens or your phone, uh, stimulates your, your eyes and it makes them think that it's still daytime when it isn't. Uh, so there's like blue blocking glasses that people get when you stop drinking caffeine and so a while back i talked about like well i'm going to try and not drink as tim sips his coffee trying to not drink a lot of caffeine after a certain part of the day your body temperature when you're sleeping uh, how dark your room is a lot a lot of these things are the chapters that he's talking about and um it actually is it really does affect you and two things that i've started doing that uh, I've seen rapid improvement in how I feel when I wake up. So like very quick results, like sleep, in, increasing sleep quality doesn't 
you don't have to wait for the improvements. Like if you start doing them correctly, like you're going to feel it pretty directly because you, you got a good night's sleep. And so two things, I got a blackout curtain, 100%, that is amazing. It's, it's amazing. You get better sleep. The problem is because your room's so dark is like actually getting up in the morning because the light is what stimulates you to wake up, like the sun coming through the window. So you have to get a little bit, little bit creative and be or be diligent to like actually get up when your room is pitch black because you'll be like in another universe when you go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. So that's one thing. And the other one is not having your phone in, in your bed. And what I actually have is I have a lockbox. I got a lockbox for my phone. You put it in there and you hit the lock. You have 10 seconds to decide if this is the decision you want to make. And that thing will not open until the timer's up. And so I set it for eight and a half hours. And I started at nine, which means you're not touching your phone until 530. And boom, it's over there. It's away from your bed. It's, it's locked. Like I mentally know like, there's no more Facebook. There's no more games of chess. There's no more texting my buddies. Like, it's done. And man, wouldn't you believe, like, you do that, you wake up the next morning feeling completely different. <laughs> and I don't know if it's a mental load thing as well, but it's like you're not staring at a phone. Like, you get a right. notification. The light's not stimulating you at all. Mm -hmm. But that, th so those are two takeaways I got from this book that I've oh, seen very, they've been very helpful. Where's your watch during that time? Uh, sleep mode. It's on your wrist? Do not disturb sleep mode. Like that thing, it doesn't It doesn't turn on. Gotcha. All right. Yeah. I don't feel like you can do nearly as much on a watch to distract yourself as well, you can you, on a phone. If you, if you don't have the sleep mode settings modified correctly, yeah, you could get a phone call and yeah. it would notify you. But you can set that up with an Apple Watch. So like after a certain time, like your yeah. bedtime. Yeah, yeah. It mine does, does do that. Yeah, I use the do not disturb. So the phone doesn't light up, nor my watch. It doesn't shake either. It's wonderful. But so uh, hmm. if I had to rate the book. So here, here's here's kind of a problem that you're going to discern in all secular health and fitness type books. All of the science is interpreted through the lens of evolution. Yeah. So the reason we are this way is because we evolved this way. We're now, we wouldn't disagree necessarily with the science, but we would understand that they're looking at the science through a particular lens or worldview. So it's not that you have to throw everything they say out because, oh, they think it's because we evolved from monkeys and that's why we do these things. No, actually, the data is, I think, irrefutable. Like, if you do these things... Like this is how your body was designed by God. I think I think there's so I think as a good steward, you might want to know how your body operates. It's it's fascinating that we can know these things in 2022. And it might really enhance your study, it might enhance your ministry. You just you'll feel better if you get better sleep. And so uh, maybe you've never thought about reading about how to sleep. This might be something to look into. Uh, I think you might be encouraged by it. Do they talk about uh, like anxiety or stress or any of the more spiritual? We they would probably call them psychological categories, but more spiritual uh, issues that prohibit sleep. Uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I don't remember if they they do. Like all of the so this is another thing. Like the the issue of stress and health and fitness is a hormonal and psychological thing. So it's like very. I mean, I'm going to throw out a name. And I mean, it's, it's a blanket statement. It's very Freudian, uh, where like, you know, you're studying the animal 
fix the problem. Oh, well, the reason you're stressed is these hormones or, you know, whatever, whatever. It's, it's super interesting that a lot of these people recognize stress is a problem. And sometimes they'll even throw in like, you should meditate. You should, there was one thing I was reading in a nutrition course, like praying was actually on the thing. Like you should pray. Of course it's, well, what is prayer? Who are you praying to? You know, but so they, they pretty much all recognize that stress and stress management is really important, but where the stress is coming from and how to get rid of the stress is a very nebulous area. So again, you, you don't ever want to read with zero discernment. Uh, yeah. You're in left field. I get, we're good yeah. there. So, I mean, yeah. I would, I would recommend this to someone who might say, I don't wake up feeling energized. Well, maybe mm -hmm. that's because you just don't get enough or quality sleep and this might help you. So Ecclesiastes 5.12 says, the sleep of a laboring man is sweet, whether he eats little or much, but the abundance of the rich will not permit him to sleep. I like the verse because it kind of tips on two aspects of sleep. There's the labor, which leads to sleep. That's like the work, like the physiological. But then there's the anxiety of the rich man mm -hmm. that prohibits him from sleeping. So it's like the physical and the spiritual component. Yep. So anyway, that's all I've got. One of the things that was really helpful in counseling classes with Dr. Newman, we would, we would see integrationists and psychologists take present day problems. And what, what you're saying is, and it's the same thing in the yeah. psychologies as it is in the physical sciences. And so for, for me, it was helpful to understand that when they answer the what question, generally it's less problematic because they're like, what does the body do? In this situation, when you change this, what happens? And those are a little more objective, maybe. But anytime they tried to answer a why question, yep. it was like radar goes on because, like what you just said, it's yeah. evolutionary. It's we're an animal, we're evolved. So the what versus why always helped me when I'm wading into something. If they're answering a what question, it's probably less dangerous. But if it's a why, so you really got to turn it in your another category, which. I don't think the summer's long enough for me to get into this in a left field book. You start, start talking about nutrition. Like it's, I don't think you can, whether you're Christian or atheist, you're not going to refute to me like a gram of carbs is four calories. Like you can't like, yep. yeah. that's just, that's, like what, that's two plus what two. it is. It's what exactly. But mm -hmm. the moment you start trying to do more than that, yeah, you get problems. Yep. And that's, it's really interesting in like the health and fitness space, how, they're so into the science of it. Yeah. And even with the nutrition, the sleep, like stress management is a huge factor in physical health. And they don't really understand anthropology. <laughs> and it's like, I feel, I feel like I have, I, because we understand the word of God and we know the creator, we have a, a leg up on anyone trying to manage stress. You know, and, and so actually I think uniquely Christians going into health and fitness could be even better at yeah. their job than other oh, yeah. people because they actually know the roots of the problems. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, you you think that these people in your life are the problem, so how would a like a secular personal trainer deal with that? Like, you need to quit your job, bro. Yeah. Get rid of the toxicity. But yeah. how could you really help that person? Well, your real problem is your heart. Mm-hmm. And you can yeah. run from that job and it's going to be the same in this other job. Mm -hmm. So you have to find a way to be content 
in this situation. And obviously if they don't know the Lord, you're kind of asking them to jump and they don't have legs, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, you, you could actually really minister to people, um, by helping them. But I mean, that's not what the book's about. The book's about, about sleep. I, I found it helpful for my own sleep and that does enhance my ministry in my life. So it's something you might want to look into. So if I had to give it a rating, I'd give it like a three or four. It's pretty niche, but, um, mm-hmm. Maybe worth your time. If you're if you're a sleep zombie and you really need to figure it out, it'd be a great book for you. It'd be like a twelve, you know. But <laughs> <laughs> if not, it's like a three. Sleep zombie. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Zombies on the the theme, the theme of the summer. Uh, so Exodus chapter five. <laughs> Afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh. Thus says the Lord God of Israel: Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. So back in chapter 4, God tells Moses that Pharaoh is not going to let them go, that that uh, God will harden the heart of, uh, of Pharaoh. Um, and that's what, we ex- that, that's what we read about here in Exodus chapter 5. Uh, Pharaoh's like, who is the Lord? And what does that do? I mean, that very question, who is the Lord? Well, it sets the Lord up to reveal who he is. But first, before God reveals who he is, the children of Israel have a very dark hour. The uh, Pharaoh, he he uh, makes their labor much harder. And um, this, I, I'm not going to go through uh, Exodus chapter 5 and walk you through that, but the children of Israel are in a really, really bad situation in Exodus chapter 5. And you really need to put yourself in the situation of the children of Israel uh, from an Exodus 5 perspective, not from an Exodus 16 perspective, okay? In Exodus 5, God had only ever revealed himself sovereignly, working through men, working through situations, plagues, well, not necessarily plagues like Exodus kind of plagues, but droughts, that kind of a plague. And uh, and so that God's going to literally bring, come down and, and touch uh, Egypt and touch Pharaoh and touch his son is uh, a new concept. So Exodus chapter 5, I'm going to skip to verse 17, but Pharaoh said, you are idle, idle. Therefore, you say, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Therefore, go now and work, for no straw will be given you, yet you shall deliver the quota of bricks. Then the officers of the children of Israel saw that they were in trouble. After it was said, you shall not reduce any bricks from your daily quota. Then as they came out from Pharaoh, they met Moses and Aaron, who stood there to meet to them. And they said to them, Let the Lord look on you and judge, because you have made us abhorrent in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants to put a sword in their hand to kill us. The, the children of Israel are in a really bad situation right now. Um, Pharaoh is creaming them. I mean, he is really turning the screws down on them. And, and there's never been uh, the Lord to reveal himself in this miraculous way. And, and so they're like, Moses, you know, this is, this is God judge between us. Okay, now this text, the way that it just continues is, um, it's it's just like, oh, guess what? This is the Lord. 
and he reveals himself. And he's like, I'm going to show the Pharaoh who I am. But um, finishing up chapter five, so Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? Why is it you have sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people. Neither have you delivered your people at all. Look, Moses is like, God, it's not happening. Then in chapter six, then the Lord said to Moses, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand, he will let them go. And with a strong hand, he will drive them out of his land. I just could would really just try to impress upon you to, to think about this from the children of Israel's perspective and, and think about how absurd this is, okay? Not only is Pharaoh going to let them go, Pharaoh is going to drive them out. He's going to push them out. He wants them. He's going to want them out of his land. This is what's going to happen. And continuing in verse two, and God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. This is a phrase that occurs multiple times through the book of Exodus. And I would encourage you to study Exodus and to highlight the use of this phrase. It's a key phrase within all of Old Testament theology because God is revealing himself in a specific, a new way. In fact, he's going to reveal himself in this way again in the future. Uh, that's found in Isaiah, but we're in Exodus today. So I am the Lord. That's what the Lord says. He, I'm going to continue reading in verse three, chapter six, verse three. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob as God almighty, but by my name, the Lord, I was not known to them. I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage in which they were strangers. And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage. And I have, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore say to the children of Israel, here it is, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage, bondage, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. I will take you as my people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord, your God who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Verse eight, and I will bring you into the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you as a heritage. I am the Lord. Okay, do you see the repetition here? Four times the Lord says, I am the Lord. This is who he is. And he is going to do this. He is the covenant-keeping God. As he swore to Abraham that he would bring them out, he is going to do. He's the one that delivers. As he swore that he would deliver, he is going to deliver. Then um, the Lord talks to Moses and he tells him, go in and tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to tell the children of Israel to go out of his land. <laughs> do you have any idea how crazy that is? It's just like, okay, we just asked... We just asked God, we just asked Pharaoh, and what did Pharaoh say? <laughs> Go do more work, okay? And now everybody hates me. And so then God tells him, I am the Lord. And then God says, okay, go tell him to let him go again. And Moses responds that way. You know, Moses spoke before the Lord saying, the children of Israel have not heeded me. You know, the, children, the slaves aren't listening to me. Why is the king going to listen to me? <laughs> so the children of Israel have not heeded me. How then shall Pharaoh heed me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. And he blames his speech. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a command for the children of Israel and for Pharaoh, king of Egypt, 
to bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. So that's Exodus 6, 1 through 13. Uh, The Lord is going to reveal himself in a specific way. The text in Isaiah 6 then has this big, long genealogy about um, Moses and Aaron and their their, uh, family line. I'm going to skip now to verse 28. And it came to pass on the day the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt that the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, I am the Lord. Speak to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I say to you. Then in verse 30, But Moses said before the Lord, Behold, I am of uncircumcised lips. How shall Pharaoh heed me? Chapter 7 begins with uh, the, the miracles. The plagues begin in chapter 7. Um, the Lord begins to reveal himself as the Lord. In chapter 7 and verse 17, Thus says the Lord, By this you will know that I am the Lord. Behold, I will strike the waters which are in the river with the rod that is in my hand, and they shall be turned to blood. And the plagues begin, and God reveals himself in a way that he was previously unknown. This is great study material to know who God is. As we reflect back upon Exodus chapter 3, with Moses saying, I can't do this. I can't go to the Pharaoh. He's not going to listen to me. And God says, you're right. He's not going to listen to you. He's going to listen to me, though. And how Moses needed to learn who the Lord was. And here, Moses learns who the Lord is. So do the children of Israel, and so does Pharaoh. And God delivers his, his people and uh, brings them into the promised land. He is the covenant-keeping God. What he promises, he fulfills. And we can take comfort in that. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Thinklings Podcast. We would love to hear from you. If you have any feedback, suggestions, or potential topics that you'd like us to discuss, you can contact us through our email, thinklingspodcast at gmail.com. Remember, don't let this conversation end with this podcast. Read good books, talk about them with your friends, and always continue to cultivate your mind. See you next time on the Thinklings Podcast.